Hello and welcome to this IBR Extra, a podcast from the Iowa Business Report. I'm Jeff Stein. As the summer of 2020 began, we presented a monthly series of segments with Dan Benkin, Program Director and Lead Consultant for Advance Iowa, a statewide effort headquartered on the campus of the University of Northern Iowa in Cedar Falls. Advance Iowa is the state's comprehensive consulting program designed to work with mid-sized companies to enhance their growth. This podcast contains the entire conversation. Our programming is focused all outwardly from the university on business assistance, be it entrepreneurial for those just looking to start something, all the way to those looking to exit the company. My boss, uh, Paul Kinghorn, often refers to it as the cradle to the grave of uh, business ownership. And this is within a broader department within the university. Explain the connection because you're operating your entity, but this is part of a broader whole, correct? Our Advanced Iowa program consists of of several programs. We are nestled within what's called business and community services at UNI under the direction of Randy Pilkington. If you know him, um, a lot of people do. So we're kind of the business, community, environmental outreach arm of the university to the state. We work in all 99 counties across the state doing projects all over river to river. So we're not just the Northeast Iowa type of program by any stretch. And really, it seems to fit very nicely with how the university has been positioning itself in so many aspects where it is really, if you will, Iowa's university. And that's why you're not just limiting yourself to one little corner of the state. You may have an office in Cedar Falls, but your work takes you literally everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. With obviously the present uh, circumstances uh, excluded, we're, we're always on the road doing work across the state. And now we're uh, doing most of that work virtually, of course, but hopefully sooner than later, that'll be over with and, and, and we can get back to face-to-face meetings. But yep, we do projects in every county every year. What's a typical call that you get? Is it somebody who has an idea and they just don't know how to set up a business framework and market it? Is it someone looking to expand? What is most commonly associated with the inquiries you get from people? We have buckets, I'd like to call it, of people who we work with. So we do work with a lot of startups who have an idea, concept, and need a little help moving it along, be it uh, with with business planning and financial planning and modeling and that kind of thing, talking through their idea, talking through their marketing plan, those kinds of things. So that's kind of the cradle aspect, if you will. On the other end of the curve, we've got the grave, so to speak. It's really probably a misnomer because what we're trying to do is help companies, helping current owners sell, but hopefully a new owner coming into that company. So there's sort of a transitionary period there, of course. So up another big bucket is we work with company owners who are looking to sell and we help them through the succession planning process. We help them identify buyers even. We help them with valuation strategies and and giving them a range of value for what their company might be worth under our Succession Iowa program. We take them through the process of of preparing them mentally and and everything else for, for selling the company. We refer to them often as founder Frank or founder Frida. And so they're getting ready to sell. And Iowa has so many of those types of owners. So there's a big, that's a big bucket for us to work in. Another bucket that we work in is with family owned companies. 
and family-owned companies have some unique opportunities and challenges, of course, too. And uh, so we have a whole suite of programming just dedicated to family-owned companies. So we have the only family-focused business center in Iowa. So we do that work for the state. So those are three big buckets. Another bucket for us is innovation and innovation assistance. So companies that are looking to move beyond what has made them successful thus far and and how do we take it to the next level or whatever. We work with companies large and small on innovation processes and concepts. So those are kind of the big buckets of who we get, who we talked with. It occurs to me that one person's, and and I'll just keep the metaphor going, one person's grave is another person's cradle. Because as, as these people are transitioning out, they know how to build a business. They don't know how to dispose of a business, and they have so much invested in it emotionally as well as financially. You're able to introduce the dance partners, if you will, because I suppose people come to you and say, we really need to step back. We really need to retire. Maybe it's because of age or health, whatever. Mm -hmm. We don't know the first thing about how to find the next generation. We don't have any family that wants it. We don't have any current employees. You have people, though, who are contacting you saying, we'd we'd really like an opportunity, and so you're the conduit. We do, absolutely. Uh, We have lots of buyers out there uh, getting in touch with us, be it um, what I would call organic buyer looking to get into a business. They know they want to stop working for the man, so to speak, and and want to do something. Maybe they don't have a great idea of their own and, and, and would love to take on something that's already going and, and prove profitable. How often do you have people who contact you and say, well, we started this company and we thought we knew what was coming. We thought we knew what we were doing but we're just in a world of hurt in terms of how to turn the corner. In other words, we've been pushing the rock up a hill, but we just don't know if we're on the right path. Does that come across very often in in the inquiries you get? Yeah, and I would say that typically something is manifesting itself for them to know they're not on the right path. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they're just going to continue down a path because it worked yesterday and it worked last week and it worked two two years ago. So why rock the boat? Usually when we get a call, it's because, well, that path isn't working anymore because a competitor moved in, uh, somebody bought out their competition and is shaking up the price structure. Uh, the big client closed the doors or is experiencing slowness or whatever. I was just talking to a company yesterday where they've They've been doing things a certain way for about 40 years, and that way is still working okay, but but they want to be able to employ a few more people and bring some more of their family into the company, and to do that, they have to grow. They haven't had to think about growth for 30-plus years, and they have no processes in place of marketing or how to do that in any way, shape, or form, and so that's where we kind of can come in and help talking with them, help work with them on how do we, how do we grow what we have. It seems to me very common to a story we hear in the agriculture industry where an individual may have 160 acres and they want to pass it down to the next generation, but there are two people in that generation. And so now you're not supporting one family, you're supporting potentially three, and you still have the finite amount of ground. And so that takes some some strategizing, quite obviously. (laughs) 
Yeah, or some come to Jesus about it. Maybe somebody's got to get an off-farm job or, uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And sometimes that's a stopgap because, again, maybe the parents aren't quite ready to be out of it altogether, but they want to bring other people in, and so that does require that sort of, in that example, off-farm job. Absolutely. It's absolutely very similar. I mean, we work pretty closely with Iowa State and some of their farm programs because succession planning, regardless if it's a traditional business or a farm business has a lot of majority of similarities. The two big words that you often hear are fair and equal, and they don't mean the same thing, they right? Do not, so, then we, no. <laughs> so then we have to, we talk through that. We help be a buffer between generations, between siblings, do a lot of facilitation. You know, we like to say that we're quarterbacking a process of succession planning, but oftentimes we're refereeing a process of succession planning and and that is what it is, you know, and it's it's fine. It's it's good. I think we're good at it. So, I've had the great fortune doing this radio program in talking to some very successful businesses, and mm-hmm. they are in the process of moving from one generation to the next. The founder generation is handing off, or in some of the cases, it's that second generation now handing off to a third. And those can be extremely delicate negotiations within the family, not just because the equitable as opposed to equal conversation that that you referenced, Mm -hmm. but you've got a lot of family pride and you've got a lot of potential for Thanksgiving dinner to be rather difficult if you don't do it right. Yeah, we talk about how to avoid Jerry Springer moments, which maybe dates (laughs) me a little bit, but, uh, you know, how, how can we avoid the chair throwing? And a lot of that comes down to being proactive as it does with anything else. You know, you're not going to lose weight without being proactive. You're not going to learn another language without having a plan. You're not going to succession your company to the next generation successfully without having a plan and communicating that plan. And so the kids have to know, you know, there's, there's three of you, only one of you can be president, so to speak. That's always one of the big ones, right? So is it the oldest that gets it because they're the oldest? Is it the most accomplished? Is it the one with the most leadership? You know, there's just so many criteria that go into just to that one decision. Well, we have kids that work in the business and kids that don't work in the business. We want to treat them all fairly. So you're going to have to buy part of the business. Well, I've been here for 20 years growing this business, mom and dad, and this business is what it is because I've been here. And Jimmy or Sally or whoever my sibling is, that's often Florida or whatever they happen to be hasn't. And so now fair and equal rears its ugly head again. There's a never ending possibilities of why these things can go wrong. Like you said, you know, it's a delicate matter and and being proactive and planning is, is crucial as it is to most anything really. We have talked so far about people who want to get to a goal, start a new Mm -hmm. business, transition with a new product, And we've talked about people who want to transition. Do you have folks who, and I'm going to use a medical analogy, they just want a checkup. They just want an annual checkup. They think things are okay. There's no trigger point, which, as you correctly mentioned, often is when people call. There's something that that led to it. Do you have people who say, we have heard about what you do for businesses. Would you just take a look? We don't think there's anything wrong, but... Here we are right in the the peak earning years of this business. Would you just take a look and and give us a checkup? Yeah, we have a saying in our industry, so to speak, of working in the business versus working on the business. 
And um, most every day, everybody is focused in the business, fighting today's fires of why so-and-so didn't show up for work or why this product didn't make it out the door or why did we price this at this, you know, all these different fires that they're putting out. And that's in the business and that consumes an owner's time. You know, what we try to stress is focusing on the business, thinking about where do you want to go in three to five years? How is the um, competitive landscape changing around you? How are customer chase changing and, and what they're looking for? And we absolutely do a lot of that. And we do it in kind of a strategic planning or strategic thinking type of way often where we, we help them think through a SWOT analysis, which a lot of business folks are familiar with, of course, and, and taking it to you know a couple steps beyond that about looking at now how do you break that down into some actionable things that you can start doing over the next three to five years or whatever. And, and so we do a lot, of, a lot of work with companies that aren't just in a stuck spot, but they are actually, and those are the companies that are the most successful, Jeff, are the ones that are taking some time to work on the business, right? And, and not just sticking their head in the sand and assuming that what happened yesterday will happen tomorrow and we'll be just fine, et cetera, you know, because all of a sudden COVID happens, right? And wow, our whole world is upside down potentially, and, and we weren't prepared for it. We hadn't thought about it. We have no contingency planning. We have no strategies for how to deal with anything like this. And so we absolutely encourage folks to do that kind of work with us. But as you talk about that, Dan, mm -hmm. I think of just my daily work and sure. all these projects that you want to get to. Here are all the long-term planning things. Here are all the things that you know you need to do in order to be successful in the business. But it's those darn, as you said, small fires or this happened today, or that happened today, and pretty soon, this is gathering dust over here. It's really hard to break through that, isn't it? Even if you oh, know it's yeah. what you have to do, what, what skills can you share with people to help them not just put out the day-to-day -day little fires, but to be ready for when something big might hit them? Sure. I mean, it is incredibly hard. I think what, you know, a lot of folks are, they get stuck in, as again, my my, my boss, Paul Kinghorn, would say the operational vortex of the company. It's, you know, if you can visualize your toilet bowl swimming you around, right? And <laughs> the fighting today's fires thing is extremely rewarding for a lot of business owners because now it might not sound that way on the outset, but you've got this visual checklist of things to get done. I've got this interview to do. I've got this ad to copy to write. I've got you know, these 10 different things that I've got to do today. And I check them off and I feel pretty good about myself as I'm doing that, right? Because I'm accomplishing things. They're visible. They're tangible. They're progressing me to the end of my day here. And I'm making, I'm making productivity happen. That's an easy cycle to get into from a human element. What's harder to do is think about three, five, 10 years down the road or you know, my kids are only 14 years old right now, for example. I don't think we need to worry about where they might fit into this company. They don't even know what they want to wear for shoes today or whatever. You know, it's so the reality is that if you, you don't think about those things, you don't plan for those things, all of a sudden they're the things that swallow you up and eat you whole, right? Just talk to the founders of Blockbuster Video about that type of thing. So so what's an, what's a piece of advice or a takeaway? I think... A lot of other things in our life, we put on some sort of a maintenance plan or a, a routine. We've got a sticker up in the window of our car that tells us when to get our, our, our oil changed. We've got our calendars booked out to whenever with our vacations, et cetera. 
I think it's, you know, it's just as pertinent to be scheduling time with your staff on a, for a strategic type of conversation. And, and does that happen monthly? Does that happen quarterly, six months? Part of it probably depends on the size and complexity of your business and in the industry that you're in. But I think it's about being intentional and planning and putting it on the calendar. And I, I find that when businesses have it on the calendar, a little harder to just blow it off than if you write it on uh, a post-it note with 10 other things that you want to do that day. Strategic planning gets put on the, well, I can do that again. I can do that tomorrow. These other 10 things, if I don't do them, we might not be open tomorrow, you know, and that's what you think mentally. Um, and it makes perfect sense because, again, you know, the idea of that to-do list, we all want to feel we did something. It's yeah. sort of like you paint the outside of your house, you feel like you've done something, but if you've insulated the attic, you just don't feel it, you don't sense it because of the fact you don't see it. But what might be most important ultimately might be that insulation for the benefit of the whole structure. Oh, absolutely, yeah. We're getting an insurance policy that nobody sees. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Sure. Those uh, intangible items are the ones that will eventually come back to haunt you if you don't spend some time on the business and and that's just not me coming up with that. A lot of folks in the consulting world obviously talk about that all the time. So, so it's critical. What cost is there for these services? We run a shared cost structure with our clients, Jeff. So we have some funding through the state to help offer our programming. We charge some what I would call uh, subsidized rates. So they are maybe offsetting maybe 30 to 50% of the cost structure to work with us. Part of that is so that we can scale our programming and work with more clients every year. Um, another piece of that is, as you know, when, when folks have some skin in the game, they're more apt to do something. They're more in it. So that emotional, mental side works too with that. But our family businesses that we work on succession planning with maybe is uh, three to 5000 bucks maybe to go through a, something like that with us over the course of a, of a year, or 18 months. We have a breakfast series for our family-owned companies to come to. I think that's like $700 for the year. Um, next week, we'll be talking with uh, the Krause family, the uh, Smith family from Cedar Rapids, CRST Trucking, and their family business directors will be sharing some ideas on how they've built governance structures into their into their families. Um, those are a couple of data points maybe on, on cost. Anything that we do with entrepreneurs that are just looking to start up is always free. We don't pass along fees to those that are just trying to get going. Uh, so a little bit of is a what, you know, what can the client bear, I guess, too. But that's under our Small Business Development Center umbrella that we do that work, Jeff. So. That's the first signal that you've become successful when you call your office and they say, you're mm. you're going to have to start paying for this. Yeah, <laughs> you have to pay a little bit here. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. What, what a great marker, right? Because here's somebody who's been fighting to get a business going, and now all of a sudden they've made it because they know that you no longer consider them just a startup. They've now progressed absolutely. into this other area. Yeah, you've made it now. Yeah, that's the uh, pat on the back, right? The official seal of approval. Yeah. Let me ask you finally, what is it that, people most often get wrong about starting or running a successful business? Often they see what somebody else is doing and they say, I'm going to do it cheaper. That, that'll work for a while, but eventually you'll soon realize why they're charging what they're charging. There's some abnormalities there, something like, you know, a little bit of that. 
just offering something a little cheaper than somebody else is not a winning strategy. So that that's a big one. Certainly not long-term. That may be yeah. a way to bring business in initially, but there's probably a reason why the other person was charging on a sustained basis right. what they were charging. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. Another thing that I would say is that most entrepreneurs come into a business that they start because of a skill set that they have. So we call them technicians, for lack of a better word. And they, you know, they're technically savvy at whatever X is that their business does, uh, hair salon, plumbing, computer programming, whatever, you know, whatever it might be. Now, this is a broad stereotypical brush, of course, but, you know, there's, there's the assumption that I do it better than anybody and that will bring the crowd to my door type of thing. I'm the best chef in town and why would people want to eat across town at this other place, right? And so that's why marketing people have jobs. It's self-evident to them, perhaps. Oh, clear as the nose on your face, yep. But they, and, and I've often said, because I've, I've seen it happen, the individual who is the founder, the person with the, the brainstorm that leads to the whole thing happening, they're wonderful at creating, but they may be, frankly, lousy at running a business. You know, the inventor can't just automatically turn that into dollars. The inventor's on the creative side, but you need somebody, whether it's marketing or business, to actually harness that because for one person to have all these diverse skill sets, that's a very rare situation. Yeah, that doesn't happen. And we talk about that a lot too, Jeff. So we talk about when the kids are going to take over for the parents, you know, we talk about, so dad was, or mom was the rainmaker. They knew how to sell. They could put ice cubes in the hands of Eskimos type of thing as we hear, right. Or whatever it might be, who from the next generation is going to do that. And, you know, that might be self-evident or whatever, Uh, but there's usually somebody else who was COO, you know, managing the operations of the business taking what somebody else was promising could be done and actually doing it and delivering on it. And that takes a completely different skill set. That takes detail orientation. It's usually a more introverted type person who is focused on the numbers, the getting it done type of thing. It's very rare that you find somebody who's who's really good at both. I don't know. Scientifically, it's possible. But um, <laughs> you absolutely have to have that additional assistance. And, and and that's, I think a lot of the companies that we work with, the owners, they don't know their, their financial performance inside and out. They know if they made money last year and they know if they have money in their checking account right now type of thing. And the rest of the financials, they have somebody for, right? And that kind of thing. And so we see that all the time. They're just, they're not good at both. So I completely agree with you, I guess. Yeah. This has been a lot of fun because I find the the backstory, if you will, of how these businesses actually work to be really fascinating Mm -hmm. because you have so many wonderful examples and you have so many rather poor examples. And I'm sure you do this, obviously, where you hear X business failed, not that you're working with. And, and, And you can look at it and you can say, well, I can identify six reasons why this one failed and this one didn't just because of being able to analyze it and and getting behind the curtain. And, And that's that's fascinating to me. To some extent, you can kind of triage some some rationales as to why. You know, I certainly can't just sit here and say that so-and-so screwed these 
four things up and that's why their business failed or i mean serendipity plays such a huge role too as network luck all those types of things go into it as well and you can't account for that so what you can do is be prepared and educated and and have a plan and and hope serendipity comes along to help you out type of thing yeah Dan Benkin, Program Director and Lead Consultant for Advance Iowa, online at AdvanceIowa.com. The program is just one initiative of the University of Northern Iowa Center for Business Growth and Innovation. More about the center at cbgi.uni.edu. The Iowa Association of Business and Industry is a supporter of the Iowa Business Report, radio program, and podcast. The Iowa Business Report airs weekly on dozens of radio stations across the state of Iowa, with the podcast posted right here every week, along with additional IBR extras. I'm Jeff Stein for the Iowa Business Report.